Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. We're live now to Russ, who has something to say. <laughs> so it turns out that the WWE finally had one of their wrestlers uh, test positive for COVID-19. Now, before that, back in April, they had an on-air talent uh, test positive, and I figured it out pretty quickly because you saw that this person wasn't on shows. Now, after that happened, the WWE, WWE made a statement saying they're taking all precautions, they're locking things down, they kept using the word locking things down and everything else, and then a Yahoo article came out yesterday, and as it turns out, they haven't done any testing of their athletes. They're letting them come and go, and they don't do any testing. So now they're closing down for a little while because – this person was last there on June 9th, this wrestler who tested positive. And now you don't know. Now you have to do contact tracing. No testing at all. No COVID-19 testing. That's what they reported. It's not like they don't have any kind of body contact or anything. You know? It's serious. This is not like a, a, a this is what the sport thrives on physical contact. It's, yeah, how ridiculous. It's, so it's, it's basically police your own is what they are saying. I'm curious as to how much paperwork the wrestlers had to sign off on. Just to <laughs> probably a lot. That's a really good point. WWE liable. That's this, a really good point. This is yeah. a cautionary tale for ever for all the leagues right now. That's that's yeah. the key with, with Major League Baseball, right? They want their players to sign off a, a waiver. In essence, uh, I mean, yeah. and absolving them of any blame if something happens, but there at least they'll be testing. And if I had the investment in the WWE at this point, I would probably have. I probably, if I'm sponsored, I'd pull. I would pull right now and hold and hold and hold McMahon to the fire over this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is on him. Oh, you got um, it. The other thing is, they had people in the audience, and they were told, you know, the people on the side, they have like this glassed-in area, and then they they let people come in. Some come in to sort of give them that reaction that they've been missing, and they told them not to wear masks. Before we start the show, I have to congratulate. Hold on, Mike. Hold oh, on. Okay. I want to get reaction from that. When you yeah. have a company that is inviting you in the public and saying, don't wear masks, right? that is a problem. Well, we have our presidents doing the same freaking thing. I don't want to I know. I don't no, know no, no. But it's the same. It's the same. I don't know. No, get they, moved, they, moved, they moved the rally outdoors, and they're giving away masks. I mean, that's a change, and thankfully that's happening. And I, right. appreciate, I will appreciate anyone who makes a change is always a good thing, right? But I mean, I, 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 the mentality of this is yeah, out there yeah. because what has happened is the mask has become like a masculine symbol yeah. for whatever reason. You know, like like there's an idea like, okay, emasculating symbols, which are looking for their acting. Right, right. It's a better way of putting it. Right. When you have idiots like Aubrey Hoff. Yeah. If we got people listening to the show and you like, oh, I don't really care. Right? <laughs> he's a moron. Well, yeah, if, no, you, if you look at it, I don't know if you guys read the Wall Street Journal article yesterday, but there was a whole article in terms of how they're getting a better understanding as to how the virus is spread. 
right? So they had the article about the singers, how about 85% of the singing from a choir caught it because of the proximity and yeah. the spit and everything else. Well, your, your thing, Russ, in terms of A, people who hadn't been tested who are wrestling, B, physical contact and probably their saliva and everything else that is coming off of them and sweat, and B, mm -hmm. C, then you have people in an area that's probably relatively close to the stage not wearing a mask at all. I would say that's a petri dish for people potentially getting infected. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's it's, it's so true. It's it's just uh, I, I just you know people just have to. I mean, I know it's hard. I know it's incredibly hard, and it's incredibly hard to like at this point. No, but some of this could have been foreseen. Foreseen. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. No, Don't really ask really audience members to come in without masks. Tell them you can't come in unless you have a mask. That is ridiculous. Like I keep getting every day. I get opposition on my Facebook page and people are like, well, what am I supposed to do? Never live. And I'm like, no, go out in public and How wear a mask. Constitutional. It's not that hard. How is that even constitutional? Well, so, so the mask issue clearly is obviously depending on your proximity to the individual from a social distancing. If you're going to a WWE event, you are certainly going to be well within the six feet radius that they've talked about. No, but they're the in a place requiring mask. They're in a plexiglass box, these fans. You don't understand. Right. They, I'm saying proximity-wise, you're, you're right. I know, so they think they're safe. Other. That's the reason they asked them not to wear masks is because they figured, well, we built this plexiglass. They're safe. They don't realize how they, this works. They should just put the boards up for an NHL game and keep them away from the, the away from the wrestlers. No, no, but that's essentially what they've done. Right. And it's yeah, not enough. what they did. But that's presuming everybody who's coming to the event or also have not been infected. And therefore, you're around people you have no idea as to whether or not they have or have not been tested and have come back as negative in terms of their testing. The last thing I want to say about it is, like, there was a, a study just done. Even if you are asymptomatic, you may have lung damage. And for a lot of these people that say, well, you know, like, because when people go out and they're getting it and they're saying, well, we got over it, it's okay – it might not be okay for you. You might want to get a CT scan because it might have affected your lungs for the rest of your life. Right. That's all. That's it. That's no, all. I mean, yesterday my daughter who's having, having um, issues got tested yesterday. Um, you know, she's been quarantined in, um, in a section of our house you know, um, for now seven days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's just, it is, um, yeah, when she leaves that, when she leaves the room, she's got a mask on and everything like that. We're we're all sanitizing. We have an alarm that goes off every twenty five minutes, I think it is, or something like that. That yeah. we all sanitize our hands. It's just like you know, and and yet you know, people are being told that they should go and attend an event. It doesn't even matter if you're talking about them getting it from the from the uh, people. You know, it's the they're not they're not in a box away from every other person in there. You know, if there's if there's a, if there's plexiglass shielding them from the performers or whatever you want to call them. That's one thing, but there there's the more people with them than there are performers. I, I just don't understand it. The performers are actually probably the safest people on there because they're being shielded from the whatever thousands of people. The, the the other problem too, Eck, is there was a April twenty second article where basically a, an employee said they're not taking safety measures here, and WWE quickly acted back and said these accusations aren't true. They know they can go to human resources, blah, blah, blah. At the, end of the day, at the end of the day, and, and we've seen, if you watch some other shows, corporate, a lot of corporations are saying they're taking measures, but they never say what they're actually doing when yeah. they're taking measures. Yeah. And that's, we assume that people are getting tested and they're not. That's why when these leagues and the Hawk NHL, when they say they're testing players, and now we know because we've had players come back, that's how you know they're actually testing. A lot of times this is lip service.
right. Yeah. Let's, let's start the show. All right, here yep. we go. Ready? Here we yep. go. Oh, what's the date today? It's the Thursday, 17th. Here we go. Hello, Hockey World. It is Wednesday, the 17th of June. Okay. 2020. I'm Michael Jello, and I'd like to congratulate all NHL fans for voting for Chance the Mascot over Gritty. Eat it, Gritty. There's a new champ in town. I'm Anthony Vigioni, and I, at this point, don't really have much of a rebuttal for this anymore. I'm tired of this. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. I even promised my next year's vote to Finn because I met Finn in person out of college. Oh, get the nepotism. You know, seriously. I did. Yeah. pays attention to you even a little bit, get your vote. <laughs> and uh, that's Jan. And, uh, Jan will be, uh, Jan Jan will be bringing it later to Germany. There's Jan right there. Say, I'm Jan Levine. I'm, I'm Jan, Jan Levine. Levine. <laughs> <laughs> Want to pull the marionette string also for me, Mike? I can move my arms and my legs a little bit if you want. The truth <laughs> of hockey buzz comes out. And I'm Eckman, and you're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. We're going to talk about a lot of different things today. A lot of little things are happening, a lot of different things. But one of the things I really want to talk about, because we've been promising it forever, is the Ottawa Senators. And um, I think we oh. should start there. But oh, we, don't have to. We, can, we can finish with it, because with, the, with the, 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 the continuing news about the Sabres, I think we have to leave. Right, let's start, we'll start with the Sabres news, but we're definitely going to stop at 1230 and go to the Ottawa Senators. Okay, deal. Um, all right. This is not a mic with the news. <laughs> it came. Yeah, it came out after the buzzcast yesterday. After we had Joe Yurden on, the extent of the uh, just slashing and burning of the Sabers organization. Not only was nice based, not only Jason Bottrell was fired and his assistants Steve Greeley and um, and Randy Sexton. The entire coaching staff of the Rochester Americans, including Chris Taylor, who was well thought of uh, and had the Amherst rather successful the last couple of years. Yeah, good record. Good record. Uh, the entire uh, um, um, or one half at least of the scouting staff uh, and a lot of the player development staff, guys like Mike. I, I didn't even know Mike Commissarek was part of the Sabres organization, but he was let go. So this was this was a wholesale. The other. I'm sorry. Chris Barch was the other, yeah. the other development. And uh, Ryan Jankowski, who was their director of amateur scouting. So completely across the board. And they waited. And this is the thing I thought was despicable. They waited until after they had the media availability with the, with the Buffalo media, uh, the, the uh, Terry and Kim Pagula, Kevin Adams, and Ralph Kruger. They waited to announce all this two to three hours after they held the conference call because I'm sure these questions would have come up in the press conference at that point. Why are you, why are you making a large swath through the organization? They referenced in, in the conference call doing you know things more efficiently. Well, honestly, I, I have a feeling that. The fact that they don't have to pay anybody probably for three or four months until October, <clears throat> closer to the draft, that is one of the things that's efficient. They, they, it's, their bottom line is completely it's very, boring. it's very goal. As I said yesterday, and I mentioned this on Twitter, very Golisano esque, <laughs> very Golisano esque. This idea of oh, yeah. smaller staff and efficiency and efficiency. Just sounds just like the old video to me. It's, it rings yeah. in my ear of the old old video scouting idea. Yeah. It's just I feel terrible. Again, 
I, I, there's, there's part of me that says, okay, amateur scouting wise, maybe the Sabres have not been fantastic. And again, at the end of the day, the ownership, the, the new management, do they have, you know, are they, can, can they completely clear house as they did? It's within their rights. It's their organization. That being said, the way it was handled, um, was pretty was was pretty rough to watch. Here's what I'll bring up about corporate efficiency because I've I've had to deal with that too in a previous life. Corporate efficiency doesn't mean fewer employees, and all they did was eliminate critical voices and other opinions. That's all they did. They just wanted a company full of like opinions. Now they have it. And, yeah, and now it's either going to work or it's going to fail miserably. And but this isn't like what the normal NHL model is. And I'm really surprised Gary Bettman, and he may have said something, hasn't said something to him like, you know, I don't recommend this because he's probably said that to Josh Harris once or twice too, I'm sure, in private. It's just, it's one of those things where you do have people in certain jobs for reasons. Now, if you want to save money, saving money is one thing. But again, if you want to get rid of everybody who's involved with the draft because you say you have everything, that's nice to have the work. But again, when you're at the draft table, and those guys aren't there to back up their work. It doesn't right. mean the same thing. And especially right. now, if they either rip up what they're doing and go start anew, then you are completely changing and you don't have enough time. I know everybody says, well, they got months. They could figure out the draft. It's really not enough time, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. because you're already on a certain path at this point. So I guess my quite, the key question is, is is the, and you guys have brought up, what is the actual rationale for the decision, right? If, if you're talking, quote, unquote, corporate efficiency, as somebody who's been through it several times, you just said, Russ, just because you're you're cutting bodies and layers doesn't mean you're becoming more efficient. You may actually become further inefficient, especially yeah, right. the bottom line impact is clearly wins and losses, right? That that's part one of the equation. B. If the viewpoint is is you want yes men, well then you're you're not getting the cross opinion that you need in order to make the right selections. Conversely, the argument may be, well, we haven't made the right ones to date. Maybe we're trying a different model and getting it to work. Right. And the third thing is if it's just finances, then honestly. I mean, this is the fun thing we've talked about, and, and I know Russ, you don't love baseball, but and but Mike and I have talked about also with all the retraction of the minor leagues, you're not making things cheaper, honestly. Yeah, you're not saving an enormous amount of money, and the optics on what you're doing reflect so poorly on your organization that there's a downstream impact that doesn't always get factored in. And to me, that's kind of the key. Like, where, where, are you, how are you going to be perceived and viewed in the future, and how does that impact your business model moving forward? And right now. Mike can attest. Sabers are probably a laughing stock right now, which is clearly not the direction you want to go in. No, and, and in the end, I think exactly. you cost yourself money because when you have a developmental I'll staff, right back, guys, okay. okay, when you have a developmental staff and you develop young players, those players are cheaper than guys you have to go out and sign in free agency. Uh, so I think in the end, if you don't develop your own players, you're 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 not as efficient. But the the a little bit of an insight here uh, what from Elliot Friedman, what he said yesterday on, on a, uh, an impromptu 31 Thoughts podcast. He had been hearing that with the Sabres that there was a, a, a complete collapse in, in communication between Bottrell uh, and, uh, and uh, the Pagulas after when uh, apparently some sort of internal uh, review had been done. And when they had their post um, their their post season meetings, um, and like I said yesterday, we knew that Botterill's job was on the line next year. And in terms of budget, in terms of other aspects of the organization, the Pagulas wanted to cut things back, and Botterill wanted 
more control to be able to uh, to to do things to pre to preserve his job. And the 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 viewpoint of the Pagulas apparently was that they feel burned by some of the outside opinions that they got from other NHL organizations about people that they brought in. So they wanted the comfort zone of bringing somebody that they have nurtured for a decade, meaning Kevin Adams. And we, we know what we're going to get out of him. We know him. We trust him. He's going to be our guy, not some guy we listened to other people and brought in. And now until we know that that guy is in the organization, he's got control. Now we don't know exactly what we had until it was too late so okay. the, the, it's definitely a trust factor and kevin adams said this today ross and get, get this uh on the radio here he was asked about chris taylor and the staff in rochester and he said that the priority for the ahl team for the amherst will be quote player development and that is essentially in the in the past that has been code for not spending money and I that's know. what okay but there's there's two things with that i do agree they have to work on player development. I've been beating that drum for months. But when you're cutting out layers of people, you are hurting your player development. So then it just becomes a buzzword. The, you know, the, the other thing with this is I don't care so much that they made the selection of Kevin Adams. What I care about is, is that they didn't interview anybody else. They just decided he's he's the guy instead of, you know, there's one thing about interviewing that people forget and companies do this all the time. They ask you, how would you do the job? And you can learn things from that. And they didn't care to even try and get that information. And that's bad. public with that. It, it basically, by saying what they said, Ross, is they they did. They don't trust anybody outside the organization, which is bad, right. which. But that's where they're at. Mindset. I know. Right? I know. They were. They were almost proud to say, we yeah. didn't search outside of the organization. This is our guy. We want control because everything else that has happened in the past is the fault of people that we brought in. And I've never seen a more close-minded mindset when it comes to an organization. Yeah, you need set. people from they outside. Were they were set on what they wanted right from jump the minute that they fired Bottle. Now, I, one of the things I wanted to piggyback off of what Russ stated was, was about AHL is that you, haven't, you, you also are bringing young players in with an organizational mindset. You want to create an environment that helps them to grow. Winning does that. Now, I know they have a lot. They have, they have a fair amount of veterans on the Amherst roster. That, I, that is true. But that being said, when you're bringing in young players to develop and you're not rushing them and you're developing them properly, that's where Russ gets into where we talk about the layers at the AHL level of bringing the players along. So by the time they come to your organization, they are ready to be major contributing members because they've been in a successful professional environment. So how, how exactly Kevin Adams is going to go about doing that is going to be a big question, considering the fact that Taylor seemed to do a pretty darn good job, along with that coaching staff, yeah. for the Amherst to be successful. Now, maybe, maybe that it's at the NHL level that the team has been scuffling. And and Jan, yeah, maybe maybe they wanted a maybe they wanted a, a coach in the AHL that is more along the lines of the philosophy of Ralph Kruger, and maybe there was some butting of heads there. But in the end, and it's it's tough to ignore. You have an organization that in the last two or three months has completely gutted their scouting, their management, their uh, their uh, their minor league coaching, their PR department. 
the the head of ticketing. I mean, what hasn't been ripped to shreds in this organization? Very little. I mean, we, me and Anthony talked about it, right? So you, you want to set up a model for play in your organization that's followed throughout the organization that goes from bottom to top and top to bottom. With so many changes that are done, to kind of set out that mandate in terms of what's going to be followed is almost impossible because now you're, you're almost starting all the way from scratch, which means that what you want to have as your baseline within your organization is now constantly changing and churning, which reflects badly, first of all, in your minor league program, but also as it bubbles up to, the, to, the, to what the on-ice product is on in the NHL level. And there was progress being made, not significant or quick enough progress, but at the NHL level, it sure looked like there was some progress being made. And now you wonder how far back the group will take before they even progress forward. And will those individuals setting up the new model, are they going to be here when you're maybe ready for success? And, and Russ, it was funny because a couple people, one person via via Twitter and then later on uh, Friedman in, uh, on, the, on the podcast suggested the same name in terms of bringing in a veteran guy a former GM to help with the scouting, to provide some structure. And that name is somebody we both know, Rick Dudley, who's, who's, who is based in Western New York, who mm-hmm. tra- travels up to Toronto a lot to scout games. He's currently assistant GM with, with Carolina that, that would be the perfect fit for an organization that doesn't have a lot of, you know, uh, right now it doesn't have any, anybody of any experience uh, to, to come in and be, and be the, the sounding board. Another name was Scott Luce. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm telling you right now, a Dudley or a Scott Luce or anybody worth their salt is not coming into Buffalo unless they have some control over hiring people and a philosophy. And if the Pagulas are insistent on stripping it down, you know, going more to video scouting or whatever, they're not going to get a good goddamn in terms of anybody to come in and take over. Right. So let's say Dudley and Luce, who both of them I know have had them on shows many times. If they come in, they are going to want to run the draft and the Pagulas aren't going to let them. So that's probably a non-starter. And they're going to want to hire at least a person or two to help them get ready for the draft to get their idea of what is our plan for the draft. And and Kevin Adams is going to have to do that with somebody. If you If you are going to have it be all video, it's going to be a problem. It really is. I mean, I think for this year's draft, I mean, at this point now, you do have a lot of your content already pretty much set. If they believe in it. If they believe that, that's the question. But again, that's the data that they have available. Right. Here's some things I got. I I got some great You're going to have to use that content. I mean, the video. I don't know. The the Leafs didn't. Again, that's going to be. The Leafs ripped up their scouting reports, right, Mike? They didn't go with it. They 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 fired uh, seventy five percent of their scouts uh, that were that were hired by Dave Nonis, and then they brought in everybody under Dubis and under uh, Mark Hunter, and then later Lou Lamorello. So that was when when they were comparing the, the the last time there was a purge of that sort. They they did say the Leafs six years ago. So yeah, back, you said breaking news. Right. Yeah, a couple things. Um, I got first of all, I got to teach my sources that the podcast is at twelve now. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can, you, can you remind me, please? Because I can never keep track of when it is. So I, yeah. I, I messaged you. How about, how about looking at your messages? I, I, did do that right, I mean, every day it seems to change. It's like the bouncing ball over here. I get these calls. So I've got the second day in a row. I've gotten calls in the middle of this. Sorry. Um, so here's the thing. Um, two things. Um, one about the quarantine situation in general and one about the Buffalo situation. So 
there's an there's an issue going on among the teams now. One of the things they're discussing, and I don't think this has been reported anywhere. I probably should write about it before I say it here. So don't everybody else write about it anyway. Um, but anyways, here's the thing: um, doctors. All right. So if you're if you're a team, you know every team has a doctor, right? A team they've team doctors for various things. Um, getting a doctor to quarantine for three months, not an easy thing to do. Okay. Like you, you, these team doctors are not just like responsible for the teams. They're also they also have practices. They have right. people, Right. Pull out things, and the issue comes up like if someone gets hurt, in, in which they will, someone blows, someone gets takes a shot off the ankle, has to get an X ray. Where do they go for that X ray? All right, they so get that well, X ray. We did bring that up the other day. That's why yeah. um, MLS and and the NBA chose Disney because there's a hospital right there, and they're going right. to go right to that hospital. Right. As so an the example, it doesn't have that right now, and the concept of of you know when you leave the bubble. Yeah. Or you get a tooth knocked out even, you know, you're constantly yeah. okay, but you lost the tooth. You got to see a dentist. Right. You know, because you, for whatever reason, when you leave that bubble, how quickly can you get back in? And doesn't that defeat the whole purpose of the bubble in the first place if you leave that bubble? So if you get out of there, you know, so the teams are a little bit worried about that right now because they're talking to their doctors about, you know, who we're going to have to bring with us to quarantine. You know, and they're, well, and they're, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that the NHL, if they're going to have hub cities, would provide the doctors? I think that would be part of it. You know, okay, you have 12 doctors for 12 teams. No, no, no. It's not. You can't get 12 doctors. I mean, they, they don't need 12 doctors. Right. They don't need 12. To, they really, 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 really life on hold for three months, potentially, which is the uh, which is the thing that X talking about, right? No, those yeah. doctors have other responsibilities, yeah. not just spending time with the team. Right, not just being coordinated. So they may they might be able to get one doctor to to work for the entire thing um, with everybody and be that. But teams like their own doctors. This is like a big thing with players and teams. They um they're very specific, you know, and they have doctors who know the players and you know like there's guys with knee injuries and they go see the guy and he's like yeah you know I tweaked that knee thing a little bit again and da da da. There's all these little things that go on that we don't even think about, you know, with right. doc with doctors and teams. And this is um this is a way bigger issue then is being led on from what I'm being told. Like that their teams are talking a lot about this as to how this is going to get handled and what happens if you have to leave. And if a player has to go see the team doctor, can he come back into the bubble or can he leave? The bubble? So just. Well, uh, they did do it in, in, uh, in soccer. Remember the coach went out, he went out for I don't right. know, toothpaste and then he got quarantined and put back in. I think what we are seeing though, Eck, and, and this is a fair point is as we get down to the nitty gritty, now we're getting down to the nitty gritty of yeah, yeah. all these things, and it's a lot more complicated than we all give it credit oh, for. Way more complicated. Way more complicated. I mean, it's not just a matter of like putting them in. There are so many things. These teams have full-fledged machines that travel that work with them. You know, like they have these machines are part of their everyday. I mean, it's more. You know, you, we talk, often talk about hockey teams and players are like creatures of habit. These machines are part of their habit, you know, like these certain players, these certain people that deal with them, these certain people that help them, you know, this trainer, that trainer. I mean, you don't know what you're going to be able to get in here to this quarantine. You don't know how many people you're going to be able to bring with you. The less people, obviously, they're saying the least amount of people possible, right, which is a good All right, thing. So right. wouldn't the thought be for Vegas, you use the Vegas team doctor, and for the Toronto, you use the Leafs team doctor? Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, but what are you gonna have, what, you're not going to be able to quarantine that doctor. So maybe you go with almost like a, a rotating basis, right? You have X numbers of doctors for one month, 
No. Then you have another one if they're being symptom free, right? So that the, the doctors aren't necessarily putting their lives on hold in, in for terms the entire of, period of time. In terms of uh, concerns, I think this is probably like in the middle and not like a a, a blazing concern that's going to is apparently a big one. That's why I bring it up, Mike. I mean, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Like, there's a lot of other things here, but to the players, this is a major concern um, because they want to know how it's going to. And, and I think the big thing is. No, it's like, okay, we could all see her. We could all fly somebody back to see the team doctor on the team jet or whatever. You can fly them back and fly them back and forth, whatever. You can do that. But the idea of that is has that person, if they say they were in Canada, say Canada makes specific rules about quarantining, but yet, but these guys, they cannot leave. You know, like this is another thing about, you know, Toronto, for example. Like they say, okay, you're allowed to come in. We're going to let these guys come in without the 14 day quarantine, but they're not going to let them fly back to the U.S get seen by a doctor and fly back, you know, that. Right. But they would be under the same circumstances if they were at their own home. Yeah. You, there is no perfect way to go see a doctor, but when you go see a doctor, you have to wait in the parking lot. They walk you in, you're the only one in there and they get you in a place. Then they do that for the next person. Like there's just, there is no other way. And when you go right. into a hospital, they're COVID testing you before you get an operation that they do that beforehand. So there is no other way. So there is no other way. But a lot of people, a lot of people have seen doctors during this period of time. Maybe like I, you know, I had a doctor come during this period of time that was virtual. You know, where you get on the, um, you get, you get, you know, with somebody and you need to virtually talk to them. That can be done in a lot of situations. But we're talking about injuries to players, like specific kind of things like that, more or less, which have to be X-rayed and MRI and things and and that kind of stuff. Some, you know, some some buildings have like you know. An X-ray or an MRI in there, um, not an MRI usually, but usually an X-ray. There's usually always an X-ray machine in the arenas. But but you know who's going to look at that X-ray and who's going to there's so and you're right, Mike. You're right, right, you're right, Rust. It is the same thing as normal. You go to the doctor. The question is not about that. The question is breaking the bubble of the quarantine by doing right. That. But if you're all right, so as an example, if T-Mobile has some of that medical equipment in there, which they might. You're only emailing to a radiologist to read whatever. It's not like you have to bring x-rays somewhere and hold them. Unless, all, all this gets done electronically to figure right. out what the problem is. Unless unless somebody gets hurt, and we've seen this before, somebody gets hurt, they have an x-ray at the arena, the x-ray is inconclusive, then right. they have to go to a hospital, and then they have an MRI, right. and then they find out he's got a broken leg. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, it's always that that second or third review right, of, right. of the situation. Right. But in that situation, Eck, it's like, okay, the person's outside of the bubble. I would assume, again, if you're in a hub city like Vegas, or Toronto or wherever, they're going to have a hospital assigned. They're going to have a, a location assigned where these players are able to go and be uh, d distant from the public to be able to get examined, uh, you know, set up beforehand. If they do that, then this this is not an issue. If if they have to go all the way back to you know New York or Philadelphia to have their medical situation reviewed then if they're outside of the bubble then maybe they can't come back in yeah that, I mean, that if, if you get a tooth knocked out act i mean you just spit out the tooth and you move on i mean you, i agree no but i'm just saying that you know this is just <laughs> something that does happen with players the other thing is this okay before we get onto the ottawa centers because i promise we would at 12 30 and 12 32 all right here we go the other thing <laughs> with the all right with the sabers um, senators. with the sabers Couple of people I've talked to today have shared the same sentiment, and that the and this might sound weird, but they weren't too thrilled with the way Kevin Adams said something during the press conference. Mm -hmm. And the thing he said during the press conference they didn't like was that this is my dream job. Okay, now that is something we hear people say quite often and things like that. Mm -hmm. But among the hockey world, it's generally not said after like someone you're working with has been fired. Like you know what? I have to agree with that. I've never heard it said. 
Right, right. It's not something you would, you, and this, the, the normal thing to say in this rest is this is a tough situation. It's always tough to take over in a situation like this. Right. You know, Bob was a great job, but, here. Yeah. But, but here's you know, the he, he, he didn't, there was, there was not, a, there was no love loss type feelings there. And, there, and I'll give you the reason why, Ak, because he was not hired by Jason Botterill. He is no. a he is a Pagula Entertainment Corporation employee. He was hired. Yeah, he was hired 11 years ago as a player development guy. Then wow. was let, then then was part of Lindy Ruff's coaching staff and was fired and brought back by the Pagulas in 2013 to run the Harbor Center. He's an employee of right. there, there's a there's a level he's of trust. Works. He's also a player develop. He also has been player development, right? And he was working with Botterill. I mean, still like he's a coworker of this guy. He was the VP of Business Administration, and I don't think that has inter many intermixings with 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 Botterill. And I, I'll tell you, I, one think, right. I think that's the misnomer. Right you walked right into the next question that was brought next next point that was brought up because that's okay. the misnomer that he was on. Like well, working well, with the hockey part, and he really right. was working on the business. And, and let me just say this, and then right. you, you say what you're going to say. Um, uh, on the Thirty One Thoughts podcast, Jeff Merrick was had been told by a source that Kevin Adams traveled with the team near the end of the year or near right. before the pause, which was completely unusual because he was not part of hockey operations whatsoever. Right. So that was sending a signal that, okay, I'm overseeing what's going on because I'm going to be, pre I'm preparing to take over at some point. And the some point was yesterday. Right. So saying, you know, this is your dream job, rub people the wrong way. Instead of saying, you know, it's the tough spot to be in, you know, mm -hmm. Jason was a good guy. The other thing that was said during the press conference, which is kind of, Miffing some people in hockey is when they said that Adams and Kruger have an already great relationship. Okay, yeah. so that and that you know, and at first indication, you're like, oh, that's 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 something that's normally said. You know, they already get along really well. But the question is, why? How and how would they have a great? How would they have a great relationship? Like, what based on what you said, Mike, just a second ago, you know, we're saying that he was a business. Guy. He's a business guy. Right, because behind the scenes, they've been planning for this for a while. That's what I think. It was an in-house coup with the coach being yeah. being involved after being hired by Jason Botterill. Yeah, and 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 right. and, and Kruger came from the coach himself. And there's some people that think. And here's the question: that this maybe this is a Kruger call in a way. And and then there's some like I respect Kruger a lot, and I've we have I've said great things about him all the time. He's a great, I think he's a great coach. But there yeah, are some I that think, I talked to somebody who literally said this. Ready? They're gonna like this. Coaching is a BS job. He wants to be president. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to do something that when your team is bad. On a hockey team, says this. Kruger, Kruger went went to extreme lengths to say, "I'm only going to be the coach." But right. everybody everybody knows right. that right now, with the power structure being a neophyte general manager that has no experience, and Terry and Kim. Ralph Kruger's sway and his opinion is going to carry a lot of weight. He's going to end up being in this circumstance. You could probably say they're not going to go outside the organization for the AGM. In many ways, he's going to be the is a good. Right. You may look at this as him being the unofficial AGM, right? To help bring him. And who was also the unofficial AGM of both teams? The team president. I mean, honestly, let's face it. Like the team president, we've seen it in more than one case. I mean, like you know, yeah. we've seen more than one case. The team president is. Like, you know, in Philadelphia with, with Holmgren, for example, you know, like, I mean, you know, he's not the GM anymore, but there's no question he's in on all those decisions. Um, and he's, and he's, and his opinion is being bounced off. Hextall and Holmgren had a good relationship. You know, they would mm -hmm. talk about stuff all the freaking time. Um, before that, Peter Luco in Philadelphia knew what was going on and also had right. definite opinions. So you're looking at stuff that 
you know, so this is actually, the, the feeling is that, you know, Kruger, like, you know, why did he leave? He left a big president job, right? Of a, of a, of a, of a major soccer team to become a head coach in the NHL. And there are some people who feel like that in and of itself is weird and that they feel like that why that he probably doesn't want to be a head coach in the NHL, that it's too much work that you're going to get fired. That it sucks. You're always on the, you're always on the cutting line. He's going to, he wants to came here to came here inevitably to be the president. And this is part of that. Yeah, I don't know about that because I think he wanted to write the wrong that happened in Edmonton because there were guys that developed under him, but he got marginalized as a coach. And I think he just wanted to like avenge his, his coaching ability and basically, you know, basically say, I can coach again. Let me show you. And the, la the last thing about this before we start talking to Ottawa, the, the one interesting thing was um, Friedman essentially said that Botterill was not on board with the extent, the eight year extension on Skinner, was not on board for the eight year extension on Eichel. He wanted shorter term, higher money contracts. That was his philosophy. Uh, it, they, they, they butted heads on that. And the thought would be that now I wonder what the heck that's going to mean in terms of Reinhardt, in terms of Ristolainen, oh, yeah, in terms of Darlene. I mean, it, it, that could have long-term effects because honestly, the smart thing would be to sign Darlene for eight years. Um, but right. you know, I, is that the philosophy now? I mean, probably, probably because if they, if they were the ones who backed it, then that's, what's going to happen. They're going well, to start. Players like Darlene, you know, who are obviously high level talent in this league, you know, like among the best of their position, generally want to see some stability before even signing an eight year deal. Like they would like to see something, you know, I mean, it's rare that you see the McDavid's and, and what Eichel did, honestly, what both of them did was sort of rare in a way because both teams were sort of very much in flux. That safe, we can, safe to say the Sabres have never been more in flux than this they are. This is history yeah. repeating itself, though. We had Matt Barnaby on, on another podcast I do stick to hockey and Matt Barnaby basically said you know uh and I guess it was Lindy Ruff whoever the coach was at the time wasn't on board with the Christian Ehrhoff signing but right. things get thrust upon coaches all the time and it seems like the Sabres are good at it because they've done it multiple times and everybody's talking about it now Ter Terry, Terry. On this, we got to move on the last thing I'll say on this is this there's another rumor out there I don't put much credence to it but this guy repeated it today to me so this is the fourth person who said it to me and he, they all say the same thing I don't know. This sounds weird, but it's out there. Um, so that tells take that for what it's worth. Okay, yeah. that 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 Botterill wanted to trade Eichel. That he had that he had no, talked. To I, I doubt. And, I know. and yeah. I, believe me, I'm sitting there and I'm going to say the same thing you're going to say. Yeah. You know, and but I've also learned never to say never in this world. That right. there are things that you know that you have to like realize. Maybe he he saw all the problems with his team. And for some reason, thought he could get out of them by trading Eichel. That that well, here here's here's a, here's the other one. Here's the other rumor that's out there that's come up there uh, regarding now that Kruger has more sway that the Sabers will make a big pitch for Taylor Hall. I don't think they can. They can't. They, they can't. Can. It makes no sense unless they find somebody right. to take. I don't think Taylor Hall would go there though. I, I think I think Hall I think is, that's fair too. Hall's dead set on where he wants to go from everything I've been told. Yes, like, it's basically a John Tavares situation. Okay. With the Calgary Flames and the Calgary Flames, it, it's it's like you know, even it's got to be way even money, if not better money, that he's going to end up in Calgary. That's that's what everyone seems to say, which is why Johnny Gaudreau has been talked about so much uh, recently. Now, now let me make, let me make this segue because we're talking about a team in the Atlantic Division who I think uh, is the poster child for dysfunction. If it wasn't for the Ottawa Senators, who might be the poster child for dysfunction, right? Because I mean, 
at least Iserman in Detroit has a structure. I mean, that team is going to be bad for a couple of years, but at least it's organized. Everybody knows where they're going. So, you know, Detroit is bad right now, but they're, I think under Iserman they're going to get better. I don't know about Buffalo. I don't know about Montreal because Montreal has tough, a tough time getting players to come there. And Ottawa, I mean, Russ – we look at the talent that they're bringing in. We look that they're going to have two top five picks in this upcoming draft. But the ownership is so chaotic, and everything that has happened, anything involving Eugene Melnick, is such a train wreck yeah. that I don't know whether the talent that Dorian brings in is going to mean anything because everything else is so toxic. Well, one of our chat room guys put in this, which I think is the perfect transition. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, and, and that's um, true. There's different so, layers. Thank you, Richard, for that because I, I like that. The only thing I could say is Pierre Dorian can only do his job. Right. He's clearly doing his job. He's setting the table. That's all he can do. He can't yeah. control the rest. And he's so done he a pretty good job at that. I mean, let's give him he some has. that because he, I mean, he, they're in a spot right now where they've got like a 40% chance pretty much of getting the frontier. You know, that it, it, they're depending yeah. on how you, depending on, you know, what math is today um you know the odds are pretty good i mean picking up the san jose pick was yeah. just you know turned think, out to be enormous now that's a little bit I, think, I think combined it's 25 percent for the number one pick all right um yeah. but but isn't it like 80 percent that one of the top two picks or something like yes. that like it's something right so and, and the second pick is you know obviously a huge great either way player. it's a great pick no yeah. so they he said he set up the centers with getting one of those superstars in a weird possibility both of them you know um, now that doesn't say that he's going to get both of them at all, and that right. would be the craziest thing ever. But he's put him know, in that position. Now some of that is luck. Did anyone think that the Sharks would be a lottery team? Did anyone think the Sharks would fall out? I did. <laughs> I actually picked him not to make the playoffs. I, I felt like that there was always a bubble with the Sharks. Yeah, there was at some point as you continue to add, you know, with more and more veterans, and they've been when you've been, when you've been kicking the can as long as they've had. Now again. They've had some good young players, and and do have good young players in the organization. But there's only, you get to a there's always going to be that window of a year where things are not going to work out, and this turned out to be it for them. But there was always, I think, a chance with with them that there was a chance of the of the bubble bursting on them. Totally agree, which is why when I was you know, looked at every you know when I was looking at my predictions every year, you look at like the team that no one everyone thinks is going to make it that does, and the team that no one thinks is going to make it that does. The, the Sharks fit that mold for me. They like this is the team that everyone thinks is going to make it that I think couldn't they could fall apart, and they did, you know, um, and they did very clearly fall apart. Um, I'm going to give you some insight into what I believe. Part of that. Obviously, sorry, I was. I'm going to give you some insight into what I believe is a drafting strategy by Pierre Dorian. He has drafted a lot of college kids, and I think he did that simply because there's a longer term on that. You don't have to sign a CHL, you don't have to CHL player, you got to sign after a couple of years, at least to the ELC. You don't have to with a college player, and not knowing what the finances are going to be, it's not a bad move because some of those guys who are going to go four years, you could worry about it. Five years down the road, and and or, they have or, jump in, or they can jump into the league sooner with less because the right. development. Yes, either way, either right. way. Right. So I think sure. that is a definite strategy because, like, they have you know Bernard Docker and Tyconic are both at North Dakota, both really good defensemen. I think Docker is better, but they have a lot of college kids, and I think that's why they have a lot of college kids. Yeah, yeah. And the one thing I think about them is that they were a very competitive team this year, and they were a lot more fun to watch than people. Sure. Yeah, they were. They were not, you know. 
They were not a team that you did – in the past, you'd be like, oh, the Senators, you know, that's not a game you're going to watch with Senator Ice. And this year you were. I mean, they were – I mean, beyond the fact that Brady Kachuk is just – he's just worth the price of it. He's fun to watch. He's, I mean, they, they, have, they have a lot of young, hungry players fighting for jobs. So And Thomas Shabbat is one of the best young defensemen in the world. I mean, he's a, he's a great yeah. defenseman. And, I mean, honestly, you know, the crazy thing about how he took over when Carlson left and they mm-hmm. actually saw an uptick, you know, in that position. Yeah. Um, is nuts. I mean, Carlson was a great guy who signed for millions and millions of dollars someplace else. But Thomas Shabbat, you know, he, he's a star. I mean, Kachuk and he is, but we all knew he'd be a star. I mean, he had star potential. Yeah, he had star potential. But and then, but when it when the defense was turned over to him to be the, him being the top guy, he took that perfectly. Yes, I mean, he took that reign perfectly. Um, they have thirteen picks going into this draft. Okay, They're, this is a <laughs> this is a serious. Nine of those are in the first three rounds. So they've yeah. got. Nine picks in the first three rounds of the draft. I mean, either pick or to have, or to use its capital to make deals to make themselves a little better. If they well, start. and then and that's and that's the good that's the point because if you look at them right now, they have a dozen free agents, restricted or unrestricted. Um, now they and they have you know thirty five to forty million in cap space. And here's the other thing about their their picks that need to be known that you know if the Islanders don't win the draft lottery and pick in the top three. The Senators will have three first-round picks. You know, they will get the Islanders' first-round pick. Right. Um, they'll have four in the second round. That's seven in the first two rounds. That's just – that's kind of unheard of. And well, but, 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 Act, the thing is, is that – I mean, that that's for two or three years down the road. I'm talking about the here and the now. And the, the here it is. But, when, but the more you get in the first round, the more it becomes, like, less than two or three years down the road. Like, it's, especially if you get up in the top five picks or somewhere I mean, in the – if they draft Byfield, he could play. He could play next year, maybe. Right, Byfield, you know. Right, but but, Frenier, but uh, one of those guys is going to play next year for them. I would guess, right? I mean, we can guess that either Byfield or Lafreniere is going to be a senator next year. I mean, there's talk that Lafreniere may go to the Swiss League first and wait out the NHL, yeah. and and that's you know that is a possibility. He may go the Matthews route. Um, Byfield will probably play right away. Yeah. But but I mean if you if you look at the way they're structured right now, you know, guys like Connor Brown, who I think led them in scoring last year, you know, he's gonna get a big payday because they have yeah. a ton of cap room and he he deserves to get paid. Anthony Duclair, who had a good year last year, could get paid. Um guy you know, and you have a guy like Kachuk who's entering the final year of his ELC. This yeah. is the opportunity to get him locked up long term, and maybe he looks the the organization in terms of the players on the ice and sees, okay, this is a group I want to commit to. But it all, everything stems, everything is directed towards ownership and the situation in Ottawa and the building and you know things like the embarrassment over the last week or so with the, uh, you know the. Uh, the the the, uh, the senators foundation separating themselves from the senators i mean yeah i still right. i still question whether this team is going to be in ottawa in 2 years well we well, all do it out there, obviously and then getting- the Quebec rumors are real but they um you know that's 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 the thing that obviously comes into play the most often but i feel as if they're safe for they're safe for at least another year after this cuz nobody knows what's going to happen anyhow right so- right now no one's doing anything no one's making any moves um, they have- but, uh, the, the other thing about this team that I think is underrated is, and, and Mike hit on it, so they got to Duclair. They recently got Vitaly Abramov in a trade, and I right. want to say he sort of got gabbericked in 
in Columbus, not by Torts, but just by the way Torts wants to play. He doesn't play that way, so he didn't do very well in the AHL with Cleveland. He goes over to Belleville, and he's got 41 points in 51 games and looks like the guy that I thought he'd be. That's another guy that they got who, again, is under ELC and everything else. These guys are coming cheap. They are getting talent. If they got a veteran goalie, they actually could do something in a year or two. And and I and I and I'll and I'll, I'll name five a really or six, top goalie. I'll name five or six players that are on ELC. Yeah, I'll, I'll name five or six players that are on ELCs right now that could make the Senators and and contribute next year. Uh, Josh Norris, Brandstrom, mm-hmm. Logan Brown, uh, 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 Alex Formanton, Drake Batherson, Abramoff. So you've got six guys. You know, maybe Schlappe. So that the yeah. seven, seven, you know, seven or Maxim Lejoie, seven, you know, seven, eight guys who could make the team, and with all the free agents that they have, you know, the only concern is with all those guys on ELCs, they have to get to the cap floor, so somewhere they have to spend money. And this well, is the, you know, the issue, and this is my fear with them, Mike. And I honestly feel as if this is where the Senators will be made or broken. Um, they're in that spot now where the Oilers were, where the Sabers are. You know, which is that spot if you have a lot of young players, but you don't have the key veteran type guys that you need to make that make you a better than just like a young team trying to get by. Like these young teams, like we saw for years of the Oilers, you know, they were they didn't they didn't go out and get anybody. Um, And eventually they got good, but it took them way longer than it had to. Right. You know, the same thing goes with Buffalo. Like the, you, the Buffalo has Buffalo's kind of taken the opposite. They have actually gone out and gotten guys like guys like Ryan O'Reilly are the right type people to get. Um, but you have to you have to mix them because there are so many young players and so many young talented players, um, but not but you can't let them just play without any experienced guidance. I mean, yeah. I mean, the one thing is that Ottawa doesn't have the star like Eichel, like McDavid to build around, but they might get that in this draft. But but Russ, I think they're in a position where they're better off because they've got all those secondary tertiary players like Formanton and Batherson who will be top nine forwards in the NHL. I think it's less of a problem for them to get to the next step than teams like Buffalo and Edmonton because it's all on Eichel and McDavid, where it's, I don't think it's all on these guys. They just No, I, I agree with that, but I still think Kachuk's an 80-point guy in the NHL, yes. which is pretty close to star. Yes. The yes. other thing is if, if they went out and just got a really good veteran defenseman and a really top-notch veteran goalie, I think they would surprise people how good yes. they could get very quickly. But that's the whole thing. That's what they they do need to spend a little, and they if, if they spent it in those areas, they could really get get some gains. Because look, Craig Anderson's nice. He, he's not what he used to be either. So yeah. they need they need a level above that goalie, and they need a rock solid defenseman to mix in with the guys they have. I mean, and then I do think they'd have something. It wouldn't be. I don't think it's a playoff team next year, but it could be in two three years. I mean, right now, right now they're goaltending for next year because Andrew. I, I don't think Anderson will be back. I'd be surprised if he doesn't retire. Right now, their goaltending is Anders Nielsen and Marcus Hogberg. Yeah, it's it's horrible. They have to do something. I'll give you a couple guys that I think would fit the bill of what I'm talking about, like what you're talking about, Brad. Too, like a couple guys that are out there that are possible. You know, um, I'm gonna I'll start with Kyle Clifford. Like I think Kyle Clifford is a good fit for the Ottawa Senators. He comes in mm-hmm. there. He te- he's a guy who he's a really good teacher. He's done well. He's been through the experience stuff. He, he's a very Brady Kachuk type guy. You'd have like you'd have a really you'd have a really nice mentor there in college. He's a heart and soul guy, and, and that's why Toronto acquired him. But yeah. everything that I've heard is he's going right back to LA. That LA traded him to get draft picks, and that uh, they, 
they like him. They like him a lot. That he was part of that room. He was something. You know, and, they're you know, similar, and they're in a similar spot. And right? they're in a similar spot. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even though you would say, "Hey, he's part of the old guard," yeah. You know, sometimes you need guys like that around to kind of show the younger players ropes, especially if they if they've been a part of a championship team. But that type of guy, I I agree. They they yeah. need like if Ryan Callahan was healthy. Then and then they and they acquired him in that deal with 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 Tampa. Yeah. Then Ryan Callahan would be the, the type of guy that would be a third line guy and a leader that they could that sort of build around. But he can't play anymore. So right. yeah, another another name along these lines, and I I, I have definite opinions about this guy. <laughs> I'm sure you guys do, but it's Patrick Maroon. Okay, so Patrick Maroon um, is another guy that I've heard connected with Ottawa. I don't think he's I, a leader. I, don't, I don't think he's a leader. No, I, think I wouldn't get him for that team. Here's what I'll say about Maroon. Maroon could potentially have an might have an effect on along the lines of because he's got a joke because he's got a kind of a jovial personality. Right, Maroon. He could you could see maybe sort of a little bit of a Kevin Hayes esque effect for a young team. Right, maybe it, not. A, it's not. A, it's not an exact match there, but sometimes you kind of need someone to kind of act at that dynamic in the room. And if he could be productive um, within reason, you know, productive numbers within yeah. reason. But, th but this I is see that maybe. This, yeah. is, this is where all the draft picks that you were talking about act would, would come into, into focus because I don't think they're going to go out and sign a UFA to be that leader. They could trade a couple draft picks to get somebody whose contract is expiring, who's in his mid-20s, who is young enough to be part of the group when they're good in a couple years. They can trade a couple draft picks to get that type of guy. Like, they do need that kind of player, but they also need the kind of player that you get when you don't have to give up anything for him and he's going to help you through the short term, like to teach your young players. Like they, the other guy, the other guy um, is Corey Perry. Now this is a, I know a bizarre name to bizarre name, maybe to many, but I, Corey Perry had a good year in Dallas. Like he actually had a strong year in Dallas. Um, could be a, could be a factor in the playoffs, you know? And I, and I think that Corey Perry, this is the kind of place I could see Perry thriving. You know, no, no way. You don't think so? I, I do. I would keep him I, away with every fiber of my being. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All he's going to do is teach Brady Kachuk how to be a moron on the ice. He was brought in. He was brought in as a secondary player in Dallas, and he can't even do that anymore. He couldn't so. even stay on the ice. It's a bad idea. No, you know, you know, I'll give, I'll give you, I'll give you. He was great at one time. Don't get I'll me wrong. No, not that not that I think he would re-sign there because he's only got one year left in his contract, but a type of player that you're talking about that is still effective is Kyle Palmieri. If they, right. if they brought in a Kyle Palmieri as a guy to play in their top six. He'd be great. He'd be great. But, but he's going to cost too much. Right. And then yeah. that's, that's the thing. If you trade a couple draft picks to get somebody who is retainable for two or three. I mean, the Connor oh, Brown okay. deal, Connor Brown is a is a good player. Is I don't know if he's a leader, but he's a, he's he's sort of a heart and soul guy. And he has found himself in Ottawa where, where he was basically the fourth line jack of all trades with Babcock in Toronto, which I thought ill suited him. Now he's going to have a second half of his career where he's going to be really good and make some money. And I'm, I'm happy for him. You know I, Honestly, yeah. if I were if I were Pierre Dorian, I would call up Kevin Adams and say, "Look, I'll give you like a second and a third for Will saying. Borgen." Oh, you're not using them. You haven't utilized them. I think they're going to use them this year, Russ, because they're 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 going to. He's cheap. I know, but I'm just saying, there's guys that they haven't utilized either right. that I think if you because there's so much so many picks in Ottawa's camp. Yeah. You could call a team and definitely get somebody 
or a couple of players that teams are willing to part with for the picks so they could tell their fan base, look, you know, we have a lot of picks in this draft. This is really important. You could do that right now. This, you know, this is the time to do that. But more than, but more important than, the, than that, that sort of heart and soul guy, I think is the goaltender. I mean, yeah. do you do you trade a first and a third round pick or something like that to Pittsburgh to get Tristan Jari or they, you know, whoever they're going to keep, Matt Murray or Jari? You know, that might be the deal that you have to make. You know? Initial name that came up with me, and I, I at first I shunned him like ah, we wouldn't go there. And then I was told a little bit differently is um was Braden Hopi, right? Um, and Braden Hopi, who you think at first, okay, yeah, he's been. He's always been the, you know, he's always been on a winner. He's a really highly competitive guy. He's also the kind of guy though who definitely wants to be a number, be the number one without any question marks, right? And that's that's a big deal for. I both. wouldn't bring him in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's too risky. He it's he just, is he is really good, mm -hmm. but the problem is Braden Hopi needs certain structure in front of him where he is not going to have that with this team right away. I don't care if he gets overpaid by two million bucks a year. Why is Braden Holpe at age 30 or 31 going to Detroit or Ottawa? It makes no sense. If he goes to Calgary, where I think he's from Alberta, yeah. uh, if he goes there, it's a team that's ready to take that next step with guys like Matthew Kachuk and Goudreau and Monaghan and, and a pretty decent defense. There's some structure there. There's some possibility that they could make a run in the next year or two. A team like Detroit, a team like Ottawa, they're two or three years away from making the playoffs. So why do you throw away the rest of your the rest of your, uh, of your prime for that? I, they, I think well, – the reason is this. I mean, we could all say the same. We could have all said the same thing when a certain guy named Mark Andre Fleury went to Vegas. Like you know, like there are certain things that happen. Goal. There are. There's a goalie mentality among certain kinds of goalies, and Fleury has it, and Hopi has it, that they are the difference maker. That they go in there, and it doesn't matter how good the team is. They have they have that cockiness and arrogance about them, and that's part of what makes them great players, right? They go in there, yep. and that cockiness and arrogance also translates into a lot of confidence for a young team. But and Mark Andre Fleury didn't have a choice. That's I know he didn't have a choice. And also, Fleury went to be the face of a franchise act that was starting up a whole yeah. different perspective than going to a Detroit or an Ottawa. I mean, a completely different mindset, how he was treated, how he's viewed, where he, where he fits within the organization. Sure. What I'm, what I'm saying is play in the future. All that's a component. No, but what it can mean to a young team to get a goalie who's done things and has confidence is, is really, really cannot be underplayed. Like, it can, no. it can play through the entire – if you can pay him enough, and you say you're the you're the starter for the next three years here, we got other guys coming in or whatever. But they, and Ottawa does have some good young prospect goalies, apparently. Well, uh, I, I don't think your philosophy is wrong. I just think in terms of they're not going to go out and sign a free agent like Holtby for six million bucks, seven million bucks a year. Not all the money in the world, Mike. No, but but, but got to get. You just said they have to get to get the cap floor. There's no better way right, to get the cap floor. Right. That. I'm talking about the willingness of that goalie to go to Ottawa. It's be, it's better for the organization to trade for a younger goalie like a Jari, who's 24 years old, who's retainable for four or five years, who has proved himself at the NHL level with a decent team, and build around that. At the same time, building with the players that you have. If you sign Holpe, by the time they're ready to contend for a playoff spot, he's 34 years old he's probably done at that point that's okay that's okay because the no, reality is he gets you there faster because he gives the confidence to the team in front of him the team grows the team doesn't have to think about every little thing they're doing and worry about every mistake they're making and eventually in three or four years you've got prospects that are coming right like that if they, if they Mike, the only, Mike the only caveat i'll give you is remember the seattle expansion is coming 
You have to. It can only protect certain goalies, right? So if you're going to sign somebody yeah. with the hope that Seattle yeah. might take him because you don't want to lose somebody else or if something to set him up as being potentially the face of that franchise down the road, that may be something that a Detroit or Ottawa might do rather than losing other guys that are concerned about losing. Yeah, I don't know Seattle's coming. They don't even have a name. Well, we, we've come up with enough of them. So there, oh. as far as we're aware of, there is going to be part of the NHL. Yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's tell me a little bit about Marcus. We got a heck of an analytics department. We know that. Tell me about Marcus Hogberg. Um, Russ, I mean, Marcus Hogberg, what is this? You know, Hogberg, what have I – I mean, these, these what I hear the he's future. okay. Goes. I mean, I don't think he's the next coming. I think he could be possibly a backup. I don't think he's more than okay. that. How about I Gustafson? know when they traded for Gustafson, there was a chance, but I'm not sure he's even done anything. To me, this team needs a, a really solid veteran goalie. I don't think a young goalie is the way to go with this team because everything's young. You've yep. got to have somebody who could play with things breaking down in front of them and yep. still make big saves at big times. Well, I, 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 let me clarify. I'm not saying a 21-year-old goaltender. I'm saying somebody in his mid-20s who's established. I'm not. I'm saying it doesn't make a lot of sense, and and I, I doubt that you can't uh, get that guy, Mike. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, like I said, that's why I pointed at Pittsburgh because you have, you have one goalie who's in his mid twenties who they have to pay, and another goalie who's in his early twenties who they have to pay, and they can't pay both of them, so they're going to have to trade one of them. Okay, but going with your Pittsburgh scenario that you always get stuck on, if they go with Jerry, it's not a guarantee Jerry looks the same with yeah. that defense over there. Pittsburgh yeah. defense is a lot better, and they if they spend a lot of assets or a lot of money on them. It it's, could be a complete failure. It's definitely a roll of the dice, but that's you know that's what Dorian. They need somebody more established than that, I think. Yeah, like Thomas Grice. They can get Thomas Grice. Zach. Thomas Grice is a, <laughs> I, you know, Thomas Grice is out there. Talbot's out there. You know, Mark. Let me talk about. I think yeah, well, nothing screams. Markstrom will not be out there. I don't Mark think my words. Mark will never hit the market. I honestly think that what you're looking at with Hopi is the answer. Carter Hunt is available. And I, th and I think, and I think, in the booth. we all think that you can't get Hopi to go there. I, no. if if Hopi doesn't go to Calgary, you know, like beyond beyond Calgary, what is there? Like beyond Calgary for Hopi, if you want Calgary, to do the San, San Jose, San Jose, San Jose, definitely. Vancouver, better him than Ottawa though, San Jose. Oh yeah, come on! Are you know. kidding me? I mean, yeah. does how does he see it? You know, how does he hey, see that? Maybe, you know what? Maybe the solution is that they 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 get Martin Jones for a song, and they right. hope that he can and they hope that he can have a bounce back because right. he's burned his bridges in San Jose. He's got term left in his contract. They need to get to the cap floor. They probably could get him for a third round pick, as I'm sure Doug Wilson would be more than glad to get rid of him right now. That might be a reclamation project, and he's the right age. He's in his twenties. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would also say this, Eck. Who's to say if Columbus, let's say their goaltending looks horrible in these playoffs, that they don't go out and get Holpe? Because that, there's no guarantee Elvis is going to be a number one goalie in this league for the next 10 years. He looks yep. good, but he might be a backup. Holpe would go to a team like Columbus because they are up and coming. They just signed both goalies, though, didn't they, to extensions? Yeah, but that, that, that doesn't mean anything because no. – they can move those contracts. Those are Correct. they're very movable. You know, they're less. They're low. They're low area contracts. They're not high exactly. money. Exactly. Right, Raj, you're gonna love this news. Um, that I just that we that just went off the wire. March 18th. This is so. Uh, or not just off the wire. But, you know, <laughs> it was close enough. March. No, and 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 Cam Young uh, in our chat room um, brought this up too. And I'm I was looking for the more current article, but I did I did find out that this is this has been even delayed even more. 
Um, here we go. Ready? Yep. I'm going to share the screen with you because you'll like this so much. Uh, I want to share it with you in person. Here we go. Um, here comes the. Here comes NHL Seattle yep. to delay the unveiling. Yeah, 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 we knew that. Now, this is this is this is this. But then, please tell know, me the wisdom in this act. I know it's now going not going to be mentioned until the fall of 2021. Um, Why? Which is which is what we're being told. So um, yeah, because well, the arena's getting this pushed back. Fall of 2021. Yes, because the yeah, arena's no, getting pushed back. No, that's when they that they're going to be. No, it's going to have to be before. No, I, this, this, no, there's there are rumors out there, and I and, and Karen Young read about um, it. Read it online because I also was hearing people. No, I saw about it today. It. I thought it was fall 2021. There is an article. The article today was basically that the that the uh, the reconstruction of the key arena. Uh, it was pushed back that it would be finished by the summer of 2021, and they are scheduled to start the start in the NHL the fall of 2021. So the name the naming would uh, have name to, has to be before then. Then yeah, yeah, the naming has to be this fall. It has to be this. That's fall. right. Yeah, it was this fall. I'm getting my dates yeah, right. Yeah, yeah this fall. That makes more sense. Right, it's this fall act, but still, why? Unless, I mean, isn't it possible that this COVID thing could push everything back? No. But the NHL wants their 500 million bucks. No, no, no. Hold on. It is possible. Yes. It is possible. Because the, even, the building in Belmont, even the building in Belmont got halted by a few months. And while they claim it's going to be on time, you never know. And if it gets halted again, it definitely right. will not. And Key right. Arena could get halted again because of this. You never yeah. know. I mean, things are out. I, I, I think that right now it, it's not, you know, so. There, I think the question, the problem is, you don't want to announce the name. But there's still going to be a team in the league. Why am I not there selling merchandise? To me, to me the fact they haven't announced the name means that they are worth, that they are considering delaying this a year. Because I know the name. It's going to be the Seattle Rain Delays. <laughs> no, because the only reason you don't announce the name. or R-A-I-N there, Mike? I mean, they, they know the name. So the only reason they don't announce the name at this point is you don't want to put it out too far in front of the actual story, right? So if if that's the case, then doesn't it stand to reason that no. Hey, hold on. Modern day marketing tells you you put out the the name and the logo a year before they actually ever play in the right. sport. That's right. how you do it. But what if that? What if you are looking at something that is like that is a year further away than you thought? Well, you can't control that. So why right. am I so not saying that? that? You have to wait till you know. That it's but not you're going to be a team and a name, and if it's set, why am I not selling that stuff now? And what's the downside? Right, what there is, is no downside. It's like okay, right now you've got this vacuum until the beginning of August when the play-in round is supposed to start. This is the perfect opportunity to say, okay, we're going to be the Seattle MFers. I'm trying my best. Just think about this. Right. If, if you lived in if you lived in Seattle like, and you had a little kid and your little kid's a hockey fan and he goes, Dad. I want to be a, a fan for hockey. And you're like, well, son, you could be a fan of the Seattle team. And he's like, okay, what's the name of the team? I don't know. Well, how do you know they're going to be a team? I, like, I this totally is, how do you explain this? I agree. <laughs> I'm trying to play devil's advocate best I can here, but I, I do agree with everything you're saying. But I'm just saying that the way they think, the way marketing people think, they don't want to put it out if it gets delayed a year. That's my, that's my only reasoning that I can think of why they wouldn't put it out. No, well, I think they're missing sales on that. That's me personally. Then don't delay it a year. Is that's what? Well, I'm you saying. don't want to delay it a year, but they don't know. So that's the, by them not knowing. This is what they got to do. 
that, that's my thinking. I don't know. That's, I'm trying to logically think of a reason why they wouldn't be because there's no re- there is no logical reason. We're all sitting there saying, why the hell aren't you putting the name out? I mean, honestly, the ice and key arena is good enough. They could play right away. What they could do is a Coliseum job. I hate to say it like that, but <laughs> renovate as it's open. They could do that. Yeah, they could. No question. And they probably, it'll be better. I mean, and we've seen history. And, you know, it's the building is a hockey building. It's set up for hockey. I've been in it. It's fine. People like it there when I used to see the Seattle team in, in the WHL. So I, in Thunderbirds, I think it's fine. I mean, I don't understand why everything would have to be perfect, shiny, new for them to announce the name. And it, it just doesn't make sense. So someone saying they could buy the Thunderbirds name, that might be what's holding it up. I you know, they're know. not getting any press. How about that? In the area, they could be getting all kinds of mentions. You don't want to get press if you're delaying it a year. <laughs> but you shouldn't delay <laughs> it a year. I'm talking like the marketing people are thinking. Delay it a year. Thinking of all the reasons that they couldn't be doing it. There's only, the only reason I can think of that they wouldn't do it is that that's what they're afraid of. Okay. Can I? All right. So perfect example. When you have these bands that put out tours, right, and they have now put it off a year. I could still go and buy that tour merchandise. No, yeah. All I, know they, all I know is that they, if they name them the Metropolitans, then all this stuff makes a lot of sense. Until then, your totally, hatred for the Mets is totally <laughs> not warranted here. They don't exist yet, though. And then, and and I also think I honestly do that they're facing the issue of the fact that Vegas went off so well that there's fear here that this has to go off really really well too and they're facing a circumstance where they can't control that and the nhl hates those situations i think there's a fear right now that it's not handled being handled very well but part of part of the part of the announcement today the delay it was the the expansion draft is not going to be held in seattle which you can also derive from that that the draft is not going to be held in seattle which we heard about we heard was a possibility so Mm -hmm. now now the 2021 draft uh, which ha- normally is named around this time. The following year draft is named around this time. It, it it hasn't been named yet. I honestly, Russ, I'm waiting for it to be Vegas. Yeah, it'll be Vegas or Toronto. That's my guess. Yeah, I think those are the two choices, Mike. I also wanted to point out to you that the Yankees played at Chase Stadium, and that field swallowed up Elliott Maddox once. So. <laughs> it did. Uh, it, it took them years to get the taint off of them from playing. Mm-hmm. Well, Go watch out, out in Seattle, which I have. I have, for, yeah, a couple times, twice. You understand completely the hipster mentality of like taking it slow, taking it slow. Like this is absolutely like they're going to like let this drag and drag and drag. No, we were in Seattle last year. All I can tell you is it's the only place I've ever been to where the Starbucks had no outlets for for uh, for charging. Oh, it's another world. It's a hipster. It's a hipster paradise. But it's like not only would I be advertising the team, I would already have a line of coffee if I was the Seattle franchise. Yeah. I'd be selling that. Yeah. Yeah. Sell, sell, sell. All right. Well, that's that's about all the time we got for today, guys. Um, we'll let we'll end on the coffee comments. Um, <laughs> I was going to get to some marijuana comments, but I'll. I'll yeah. We finally did talk about the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, so we did. Thanks for yesterday, Mike. Enough. To fill to Ottawa Senators before we get out of here, we should do that. Um, I just think I, I think that they're, they're they're an interesting team. They are definitely. We talk about how tough it is to make the playoffs in that conference. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think the best case scenario for the Senators is sixth in the Atlantic, ahead of Detroit and ahead of Buffalo. Um, yeah, I think they're ahead of both of them for sure. I think they could surprise and be ahead of maybe one more team there. I do. Maybe Florida, maybe Montreal. Montreal. One of those teams if yeah. they had an off year. Yeah. 
Randy is congratulating us for finally talking about the Senators. Thanks so much, Randy. We really appreciate that. <laughs> Very yeah. sarcastic, dripping there. Nothing better than, a sarcas than sarcasm and passive aggressiveness from our fans. Um, okay, so there you have it. No, we do appreciate it. Randy's amazing. Randy said yesterday in the chat room something that was very concerning, though. Um, <laughs> when Hollywood when Hollywood Squares was on, he was already fifty years old. That means he must be <laughs> eighty or ninety. He's um, older than me. Yeah, so it's kind of that is definitely concerning. All right, um, we are going to move on. And uh, I mean, I th I'm, I'm looking for. I, I'll watch the sentence. I watch them play. You know, and I do think that their turnaround depends on the kind of goalie they get and how quickly that, how quickly that. I think that that is their main their main focal point. And I think it's got to be an experienced guy. And I think that going with a young guy like Jerry would be a disaster for Jerry and for the Senators. Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't. Okay, we agree to disagree. But, Eck, I do want to tell you about Hollywood Squares history. Um, in the 80s, they did stay at my hotel, the entire Hollywood Squares. And John Davidson John Davidson was the host, and he would walk around. Everyone has stayed at your hotel at least once, Russ. No, no, but you don't understand. <laughs> hold, hold on. Even you I, and I didn't even know it. The Columbus Blue Jackets slash Rear Rangers. This well, is they were filming the Hollywood Squares. The biggest stars were coming in for like, and movie stars, uh, they were basically um, baseball players. They were all coming in for like a half hour, hour at a time to tape the show. It was actually kind of amazing. Was Peter Marshall there? No, I just said it was John Davidson. John Davidson. <laughs> no. John Davidson's fit. incredible John Davidson. Paul Linson. Oh, yeah, the original John Davidson. Not, the, not JD from the Rangers. Not no, JD. No, no. no the, like the John Davidson who was That's incredible. The right. John Davidson. Well, I was gonna say, was it that? Yeah, but he was that's incredible. He wasn't real people. Oh, incredible. The John, da the John Davidson, who was better than Bert Condy. The yeah. best hair in the the best hair in the world, if I remember right. Like, yeah, oh, he had great hair. He did. You know, yeah, so I guess did you see you saw his hair first firsthand? Is that true? Yes, yes. Wow. And I smelled his cigar smoke when he would walk around the lobby and all that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, here's here's a picture of John Davidson for everybody who doesn't know and, and never never expected this. Popular, show. he was popular back then. Oh yeah, this is here he is. Here's here's here he is. Here's yep. yep, that's him. Oh yeah, the hair. Oh god, that hair. That yep. hair is so, like he still has the hair. It's just silver. Fold. I love this. I mean that that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one thing to rock the hair. It's another thing to rock the hair when you're this old. Yeah, yeah. That's that's that's, it's that's that's when I start calling him Mildred. He looks like those Ken, of us who wouldn't like, mind having it, not a bad he looks thing. Like Kenny Loggins. Yeah, this is very much the John Davidson I remember. Yes. Um, yeah, okay. and that incredible was like, you know, what was like? It was that a was a big like, show. Yeah, it was a huge show. It was kind of like YouTube in a way. Like when you think about it, it was like YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it was. New TV Sunday, Sunday night at what seven or eight p.m. on Channel Seven headline anymore. It was Kathy Lee Crosby, him, and who? There was somebody Brent else. Tarkenton. Brent no, Tarkenton. No, no, um, no? no, there was also a show called Real People, which was like. No, hold on. There was another guy, um, a short guy. What the hell is his name? I'll well, come I'll up. I'll find it quickly here before we end. The I show. think his name was. It was started with a B. It's not Brian, but it was something like that. This Ugh. is usually the stuff we do after we get you guys up here. Right, but we're just treating everybody to it. Welcome to the post. Are you, you're right, Frank. No, before him, there was somebody else. Fran uh -huh. Tarkington was not the original. This is funny, funny, funny pictures here. Um, yeah, I don't remember no. who it was for him. Jim Stafford? No. Do you remember Real People? Anyone? Yes. yes. Yeah, we better end the show. Act. We're that was like the other one, like this. Anyway, <laughs> without the buzz, it's remember without the buzz, it's just hockey, and um, without John Davidson. Uh, 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.